Uh, Mark Watson in for Mark Stafford. Love Racing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing. Let's talk some English Premier League football out of the UK. Football correspondent Guy McRae joins us. Guy, good evening. Yeah, well, good, good afternoon, Mark. Uh, yeah, I mean, things uh, things could have been better, really. Uh, it's just a uh, very, very disappointing day uh, all round for Spurs. Uh, big match, big build-up, everything else. Uh, hoping for big things, but uh, yeah, the team disappointing, really, and just more of the same, really, in terms of the season uh, from Spurs. Very, very similar opening to a match. Uh, you think... North London derby against Arsenal, needing to step up against a team that's, uh, let's be honest, has been blowing the league away, top of the league, uh, you know, many, many points clear. Uh, and so uh, the same old problems uh, for Spurs in that first half, very, very slow off the bat. And uh, Hugo Lloris, he's been a great servant for the club. You and I have talked about over, I've, I've told you about over the, you know, the years that we've chatted about it, um, someone who's in decline now, who sets the tone as the club captain and the error uh, to give to Arsenal the opening goal really set the tone uh, for the rest of the match. It didn't get a lot better for the rest of the first half from there for Spurs. Mm. I mean, you're seeing it very much through a passionate Tottenham Hotspurs fan's eyes, frustrated with your team, but how much credit should we be giving Arsenal? Uh, now well and truly clear at the top of the English Premier League, they continue to march on and they continue to do what they've done all year and that is win. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I, I don't get away from that at all. I think um, something that has to be made, the point that has to be made here, is that Arsenal should have been top four last season. Uh, this is a team that Mikel Arteta has been building uh, for a little while. Uh, they've uh, signed players very astutely. You just look at the couple of guys that they got from Man City. Uh, Alexander Sinchenko, Gabriel Jesus, of course, is injured at the moment. Uh, but Sinchenko is big for them as well. They, they've brought in good names there. They've got a manager who's, you know, done a difficult, you know, difficult thing there. If you think of uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as well, uh, the difficulties that he was causing, Arteta was quite clear about that. He wanted to get people in at the club who didn't just believe in his style of play that he was trying to build, but were also good people, you know, in terms of a team culture. And you think of all the most successful teams, it's all about building a successful team culture. And that's what they seem to have. Um, they've got a great opportunity. Uh, let's not get away from that. As you say, what I'm very, very disappointed from a Tottenham Hotspur perspective, but um, Arsenal, huge opportunity now, eight points clear uh, in, that, in that English Premier League title race to go on and do something which for all that I'm saying they should have been top four, should have been in the Champions League this season, they've been building. I don't think anyone would have thought at the beginning of the season uh, that they would be eight points clear right now. And frankly, I've got a huge opportunity here uh, to win the title for what would be the first time since 2004. Again, you mentioned not many people at this time of the season would have been talking about Arsenal with that um, with that eight-point lead, but would people have been seriously even considering Newcastle United and Manchester United sitting third and fourth <laughs> on the table on 38 points? Who, if Arsenal stumble, still could potentially win this mm. league? I mean, Newcastle looking to do arguably what Leicester City did what back in 2016, 2017. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what I, honestly, I think, I think Newcastle, it might be a little bit beyond them. Uh, they were somewhat fortunate. They kept going uh, today against Fulham, got the late winner. Fulham, I mean, it's amazing penalty. Uh, from uh, Alexander Mitrovic, where he's hit the ball twice. I mean, it's a, you know these are big turning points that kind of go in Newcastle's way. I'd say with Newcastle, the incredible thing is I put them twelve to eighteen months ahead 
uh, of where I expected them to be. Uh, I think everyone's expecting them to be a top four contender with the investment that they've got, that they, you know, the funds that they've got available uh, with their owners. Uh, but to be in there now, um, I'd be surprised, to be honest, if they weren't finishing fourth. Uh, at this point, because they can come in and add another couple of players still in the rest of the window. And they're extremely difficult to score against. I mean, they've got the best record uh, now, I think, in the English Premier League in terms of goals conceded. So that gives them a foundation for Eddie Howe and, and for their team as well. They're extremely difficult to beat. You've got them there as well. What are you talking about Man United as well? Man United's resurgence has been quite something uh, to, to behold overall. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo out of the club. Again, we talk about team cultures, uh, successful cultures. That's what Eric Ten Hag is doing there. They've got Marcus Rashford in the form of his life, scoring every game pretty much. Now, seven games in a row, he scored at least once as well. Massive match coming up. Um, I feel in the next next weekend, basically, English Premier League, where Man United go to the Emirates, go to Arsenal. Arsenal on fire at the top, particularly in terms of their home form, uh, the way they built that momentum up. But Man United, the one loss for Arsenal this season at Old Trafford against Man United. So that's going to be interesting. If Man United can go there and beat Arsenal, they're right into the thick of it. And that, again... This is what makes, doesn't it, you know, you and I, everyone following this league, what makes it so interesting. You look at Man United at the beginning of the season, uh, picking up all those losses early on. You never would have thought they'd be getting themselves potentially back in here for a, for a title charge uh, going into the final months of the season. But if they can go and topple Arsenal in that fixture next weekend, that's a real possibility. Uh, overall, you know, they're going to be six points behind them, possibly. Um, it's a real possibility for them to go and kick on and maybe do even more. The empire that is Manchester City, is it crumbling? Is there some internal rumblings here? I mean, two consecutive losses. They lost in the quarterfinals of the EFL Cup to Minnow Southampton, beaten comfortably 2-0. Really, really poor performance from them. And then losing the Manchester Derby, mm. Derby by two goals to one. What is going on with Pep Guardiola's side? Very good question, uh, what I would this, because you look at it, you think there's not a lot that's, you know, different overall. They've still got Kevin De Bruyne there pulling the strings. They've got Erling Haaland, of course, who's been scoring for fun. There do appear to be a few problems uh, there overall. They're not actually, you know, considering it, are they a stronger team overall with Haaland in it? than they were before when they didn't have a recognised centre forward. I think it's a it's a question to consider. He's obviously been, you know, like an animal basically, beasting his way through Premier League defences, scoring all those goals. But does it make them a little bit more predictable in their movements? I mean when since Pep Guardiola's gone in there, it's been, you know, outright success season after season. Liverpool were the team to push them, of course, those incredible seasons between the two of them those two teams. But you look at City now, and the funny thing is Man United did it very, very well uh, the way they set up. They're always looking for Haaland. And, <laughs> you, you know, you, you understand that with his, his quality as a centre forward. But does it make them a little bit more easy to defend against because they're always looking for that ball, looking to feed him than before when, as I say, they were playing false nine football. They weren't playing with an out-and-out centre forward. They were very difficult to pick up. Um I wouldn't rule them out yet, Otto, because in terms of the, the likely title race with Arsenal, they still would have played them twice. I mean, they're eight points behind, but you wouldn't rule out Man City going and beating Arsenal home and away uh, there. And then they're right back in it, maybe two points behind this. So there is that. But there are some issues there. I'd say the other thing is, is in terms of their signings, 
the signings haven't quite the big English player signings that Pep Guardiola's brought in. Have they been that successful yet? Jack Grealish uh, got the opener in the loss at Old Trafford. Has he been that successful in terms of output? That's three goals, three assists on the season. They'd want more. And Calvin Phillips, who was signed last summer from Leeds as well. Famously, he's come back from the World Cup. Guardiola said he's overweight. Uh, it hasn't worked out for him either. So the signings that have been brought in uh, to replace the likes of the legends, you know, David Silva, uh, therefore, for instance, in the past, those players um, haven't quite hit the heights yet. They're a bit more vulnerable defensively and maybe they're changing. They've had to change their style of play as well with Haaland in there. It's just giving Arsenal, maybe Man United, it's giving those other teams uh, the feeling that maybe they can do something this season and take advantage of all that. We talk about big surprises, but I think probably the real big surprise is really the demise of Liverpool. They've been really inconsistent. It's amazing they've gone and secured the services of Nunes. They've just gone and picked up Gakpo from the Netherlands. But there's been this call, they need a younger midfield, and yet Klopp has been hesitant in doing it. Now it is coming home to roost. What is going on with Liverpool Football Club? Where do they go to from now, from here? I think you've. What are you? You're obviously well placed to speak about it. I think. I think the midfield is the issue. I think the midfield does look leggy. I think there's uh, something I touched on a bit earlier. There's a bit here with Liverpool. I think a lot of that squad has put a lot in in the last few years for an awful lot of success, trophies, but also competing with that Manchester City juggernaut. And I think there's something here uh, in that that they're a little bit fatigued. You look at the key components of of Klopp's Liverpool team, that title charge, the fullbacks first and foremost, Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, Robertson as well there. Uh, you, you go right the way through, Van Dijk's injured at the moment, but you look at the big players in that team who've been involved, so exhausting to take on, just my take on it, so exhausting to take on that Man City team season after season. I think it's, it's a travesty, frankly, that Liverpool only have one Premier League title from that period. Um, if you think about the numbers of points, victories they've got over that time. So I think there's something in that. Mo Salah's still an unbelievable player, but getting a little bit older now uh, as well. And the other thing I'd say with Liverpool is Sadio Mane going to Bayern Munich. I don't think that team has quite moved on yet. And I don't think we quite everyone quite realised with Mane quite how important he was to Klopp's team as that kind of first line of the press. And they haven't really managed to cover for that. You know, you look at, you've touched on it, Cody Gakpo coming in. Uh, you've got Darwin Nunes there as well. You've got Mo Salah still searching around for that, that front three. Luis Diaz obviously as well, injured. So there have been some problems, but... It comes back to that midfield as well, uh, behind them. And as you say, the failure really on the part of Klopp, for whatever reason, to go in and try and bring those new signings in and try and reinvigorate, bring some new energy, lease of life into that Liverpool midfield. And it was, it was to me, it was pretty shocking how Brighton took Liverpool apart uh, in that match. Brighton, a very, very well-drilled team, excellent players uh, in that midfield. But at the same time, you would not expect a Liverpool team uh, to go there to the annex, to, to Bryden's ground and just uh, just not really be a feature uh, in the match. Bryden were really well-deserved, comfortable winners in that one. Uh, that, was, that was a surprising result. But maybe you look at the context of Liverpool's season and these performances, although it's, um, 
maybe not that surprising overall uh, that, that they were second best in that way. Bottom three, West Ham, Everton, Southampton. Southampton getting a victory, a really important victory over Everton. You sense that after that EFL quarterfinal victory over City, they would have gone in with some momentum, they would have gone in some confidence. Um, are you surprised that Lampard still has his job, or is this maybe Everton realising that this is a greater issue than just simply sacking a coach? Well, I mean, what's going on there? There's a few of these Premier League clubs where we're wondering uh, what exactly is going on. I mean, there have been the protests at, at Goodison against the owner, against uh, Farhad Mashiri there. Um, incredible, really, the amount of money that, that Everton has wasted as a club on, on, on transfers for me, on signings. Uh, when you think about the money that's been invested at that club uh, over a number of years, predating Frank Lampard. Uh, as, as manager, they just don't seem to be able to get it right there. I think there's something in that. Um, ultimately, results will dictate it as always. Um, you know, top level sport, English Premier League, uh, no different. You know, the, the, the you know the shining example of that really. Uh, Lampard's got to get results together. I think the team's still playing for him. What uh, I think we saw that in the FA Cup. Uh, that the, that the loss at Manchester United as well. That they put in a decent performance there, but they're not getting the results. Um, ultimately, and it's they, they were fortunate last season to stay up. Let's be honest, um, and, and they're going to be in a real fight again this time. Whether it's Lampard at the helm or they bring someone else in, who do you bring in uh, there? Uh, you know, the number of different managers they've had in over the last few years who all haven't been able to click. We have to go right the way back uh, with Everton to David Moyes. Uh, I, I think really uh, overall to manage the last manager they had who had any sort of. Uh, success there, had stability there. Since then, it's just been a case of, uh, as you suggest, every so often they change the manager, they spend another 100, 120 million pounds on players and not much happens uh, really at that club. So it's, it's bizarre really. And that's, I think, uh, you know, the basis of which the supporters in it now, uh, you know, big protest there, uh, that, that match that, that going on at the moment against Mashiri, against his ownership, uh, they want to change, and you can kind of understand why. Well, who's in more crisis, though, Everton, or can I suggest West Ham United? <laughs> uh, uh, West Ham are a funny one. Um, as, you know, we just mentioned David Moyes there. David Moyes at West Ham, has he taken them as far as he can? I mean, they spent big, relatively big, where they come from, uh, you know, in the summer looking to take a, a move on as well. It isn't really quite happening for them. Uh, I mean, Spurs have got them in a, in, in a few weeks' time, got them next month as well. Um, it's a tough one for them. It's a really difficult league, uh, this one, as, as you and I know, the English Premier League. Teams are moving on all the time. You look at Chelsea spending all the money they've just done. Uh, they're not really sure of the exact plan with them. But with West Ham as well, all these teams spending money, expecting the results. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's difficult for Moyes at the moment. His teams have always been built on not giving a lot away. But I mean, West Ham's clean sheet record this season is poor um, overall. They're not scoring a lot. Jared Bowen's not really there. Mikel Antonio, the key players for them uh, in the Moyes era uh, in, in, in the last couple of years, getting the goals for them where they could always rely on that that, de- that defensive foundation. And uh, uh, they don't have that. They're not. They're struggling to score as well. It's not a good combination, is it? And that's why they are where they are in the league at the moment. Guy McRae, as always, thank you for taking the time, UK time or night time in the UK, morning here in New Zealand. <laughs> Greatly appreciated. No worries at all. Well, I speak to you next time.